This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. It is me, Kyle, with Jesse. Hello, everybody. Hi. And today we are going to talk about the impossibility of something that seems like it is already possible. However, uh, we're, we're still going to investigate, but we're going to talk about the scientific method. It is. It is. Some people say it's impossible. What part of it? What part of it? Do some people say. It? I think it's kind of a. It's a backwards. It's a backwards one. You know what I mean? Because it's. It's happening, and yet some. Some deny it. Interesting. Well, so it's like the flat. So it's kind of like the flat Earth thing. Yeah, it would be like if we said. It's uh, today's topic is the round Earth. We would say, of course, that already exists, but does it? Right. Okay, that's fair. Well, before we jump into that, then, Jesse, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, the kids are in sleep. We tried putting them to bed a little early today, and they took a little while to fall asleep. Hmm. It's like still light outside. Yeah, that is the difficult part. Jimmy, how are you doing? Uh, I've been pretty uh, uh, good. <laughs> I've been good. I've just been tired. There's been just a lot of work happening at different times of days. So. Like now? <laughs> <laughs> it is true. I actually am. Uh, I am actually recording this on one of my breaks <laughs> from my workplace. Because I've had to shift my schedules around so much, but wild, completely that's, wild. But that's dedication. That's dedication. It's a it's it's actually a pretty cool thing in today's day and age where we can have a simultaneous recording from pretty much anywhere. It's actually I'm actually going back to China in a couple of weeks. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. So it will be interesting to to see if we can. With all of the different times and everything to to organize this in a way to where I can still join you guys in the times where I'm in uh, Shanghai. Oh yeah, that would Sweet. be cool. That would be really I hope cool. We can do that. I hope it works out at least one time, if not every time. I mean, Kyle and I did it when Kyle was in his hotel room and I was at my place of work there. So it did it did kind of work once. Yeah, it did. It did. I was just thinking about that. That's exactly what this feels like right now. Is that recording that you and I did? Where uh, where I was across the city from you. Yet we were on. We were at least in the same time zone. It was late at night, but it was still the same same time zone. Yeah, we've never tried doing a multiple time zone cross international waters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it'll be so good. I'm so excited about it. Do you think there will be latency? There wouldn't be latency, would there? Oh yeah, it'll be good. It has to go to has to go to space and back. That's pretty good. Give, takes a minute. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, we can theorize about this latency all night, but mm-hmm. we must uh, hypothesize in order to test it appropriately. Uh, this is this is completely broken down. So, back to the scientific <laughs> method. <laughs> Jesse, what exactly is the scientific method? I'm glad you asked. Oh, good. Uh... So I found it. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I think this is what most people think it is. Uh, I start with a problem, 
do some research, come up with a hypothesis. <clears throat> That's uh, your educated guess, the best that you know, as at a as a starting point, and then you create an experiment to test your hypothesis. After that, you look at, at your results, and if necessary, you create a new hypothesis and experiment again, and then look at the results again, and after you're satisfied with the results, then you come to a conclusion, and you win the science fair. <laughs> Good, you found the same steps I did. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. I like I, the steps are listed multiple places, but the one one of the ones oh, I did course. find was uh, one of the steps of the scientific method, and it it was specifically for a science fair, and so that's what it <laughs> that's what it had said. Yeah. It was very funny. From what I can tell, uh, a lot of the writings on this are kind of focused at specifically the middle school uh, demographic. You know, Do you have any, like uh, yeah, go ahead. Do you have any theories as to why? My thought is that uh, early in the education, in science education, you lay the, frame, the framework and uh, give them a foundation to, to base the rest of their exploration on. Uh, you know, like once you learn to read, you don't, and you're reading books, you don't need to think about phonics anymore or how to, once you've got the, the grammar basics, you don't need to think about what word order to choose when you're writing. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of, it becomes uh, second nature, just a habit. It's just something that is there. It's, uh, you know, it's the framework for everything that you do. So once you're, once you're an actual professional scientist or even in high school or college, you probably don't need to think about the method as much. So you think it's a lot like uh, like out learning algebra in um, that's exactly in what I'm middle school. Up. Sure, yeah. Where you it like te- it. teaches you how to how to do something, a process, and mm-hmm. then you don't really revisit it again. You you naturally just do it, like kind of like you said with the phonics thing. Yeah, uh, just a little on more it. complicated. Yeah. Sure, that's like a lot of things, and why wouldn't it be? I mean, we could probably draw an analogy to almost every subject that you learn in middle school because that is the time that you learn a lot of the basics of what you're going to use the rest of your life. Right. Those are such formative years. It's It's interesting how much, like how much later, further education after that, as well as just life in general, it like sources from precepts that you're taught, or at least are initially mentioned when you're, you know, like 10 to 13 years old. Yeah. I heard a study on a, one of the other podcasts I listened to is, and they were saying that that the seventh grade, you know, like the early early teens, seventh to ninth grade or so, yeah, is the the time that you're going to remember uh, something about the way your brain is developing during that time. The things that you learn then are going to stick with you. That's really forever. fascinating. Even more than any other than you know middle, you know uh, what's a, what's before middle school, elementary school. <laughs> or after, and, you know, or primary if you're international, I guess. <sighs> okay, so en- enough about when this happens. Uh, this seems like a pretty concrete thing. Like, I mean, if we're taught this from such an early age, uh, relatively early age, 
and it's a process that is carried on through theoretically through science, being that that's what the name is. Uh, why do we think this is impossible? Well, uh, maybe you I can would, say impossible say is a little bit, bit of a misnomer. But why do you, if you had to guess, why would you say? What do you I think, Jim? I would say it's because not it's. I don't think it's possible. It's not like every single scientific discovery has fallen into this like method. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it, it's a pretty easy like this scientific method is. You you create questions. You create a hypothesis. You like all these steps, like we were saying with algebra and things like that. But there are. I would imagine. I I can only think of one kind of off the top of my head that I, I had seen while researching this a little bit, which was. Uh, there are some scientific discoveries that happen completely by accident, like the discovering of like uh, uh, rubber, for example, was they were trying to go for something else, not looking, not using, probably doesn't sound like by the stories that we hear, not using the scientific method at all. Like they were trying to figure out an adhesive and they accidentally discovered rubber and then used it. But it wasn't like they were forming questions about rubber at all, they, if they were doing anything, they were forming questions about adhesive and actually failed the scientific method and discovered something anyways. Yeah, there's a lot of there's articles and articles about discoveries that happen by accident, but the most, probably the most well-known and the, the best pure accident example would be uh, penicillin. Mm, huh. That's another good one. That was yeah, a really was good, good one. For me. We talked about this a, a while back when we did our um, was it end of antibiotics or something? Episode. Yeah, I think but so. Alexander Fleming left a cover off and a, of his petri dish and left the window open and went on vacation. And when yeah, he came yeah. Back, he found that the the sample of the disease that he had in that certain petri dish had died, and uh, they didn't know they didn't know of anything that killed it at the time, and so that was obviously a great discovery. Yeah, but don't you think that immediately after that, <clears throat> it was one of those things that they, uh, they they did apply the scientific method to and tested to confirm so at some point between then and now? Yeah, but he was already working on it, and he didn't. It wasn't it wasn't the result of the method, right? He was working on it and failing at it, and by no hypothesis of his own, he discovered the the thing. Yeah. No, then, yeah, I agree. I agree the initial then, discovery was an accident. Then he did not start with, if he started, if you can say that he started that the uh, process at that point, after he found the Petri dish, mm-hmm. he didn't start with a problem. He started with a, whoa, that's weird. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So one of the articles that I had found, which I thought was really good, was in Wired magazine. Okay. Uh, written by... Come on, why don't they ever credit some guy? Written by some guy. And uh, he's said, uh, he proposes a, a few different diagrams. A different, oh, he goes, if you really need a diagram, maybe something like this, and I'll post to our uh, Evernote. Yeah, sweet. Uh, but he just has, instead of a, the circle-y thing with the weird circle thing in the middle, uh, he says, you can start with... Uh, he just has three blocks on the left with three arrows pointing to uh, one block. And that's his whole diagram. So the, <laughs> the block on the right that he's pointing to, mm-hmm. he calls, in parentheses, he calls it science. 
and he's got build or change a model, parentheses, science. So that's that's the science that you do. So that encompasses several of the, I guess the experiment phase more. But um, his, his point is that the problem and hypothesis and all that doesn't need to be part of the process to get to science. You can ask any number of questions, but he proposes three here. And the first one is, hmm, that's weird. And the second one is, I wonder if... The third one was, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so I think in, in the case of penicillin, you you could say that uh, there was a lot of, well, that didn't work. And then, <laughs> hmm, that's weird. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense though because the it it because science is such a a fluid thing you can never keep it in just one stationary circle of of process you know it's not like it's not one plus one will always equal two I mean science is when we do one plus one and then three comes out of the other side yeah yeah but then that that's kind of like the the point of the like well that's not the result we expected go back and do it again to either validate or invalidate that result. And you repeat those last three steps until you get, like Jesse so aptly put, results that you are happy with. Yeah, and the other thing is, you can stop. Then. Yeah, yeah, and many people nowadays do it would seem, and then they just love to publish whatever result they have at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's a very curious turn of events, just because it's easy to publish information now. I think it's easy for people to publish wrong information or information that's biased. Right. And the pu- the public is woefully unaware, um, which I guess that that to me that's where the impossibility of the scientific method is is just the lack of knowing what is a valid and invalid test. Right. We, everybody should be everybody who wants to know should be looking into the process. Absolutely. Used in the experiments, and I think that's where peer review is so important because uh, scientific peers could say, "Oh, uh, well, you forgot to factor in." such mm-hmm. and such variable, you know, whatever it may be for the experiment in hand. Going mm-hmm. back to Kyle's point, though, is it's way, it's financially, it's it's hard for guys to get grants to do, I don't remember where I was, well, maybe we were talking about this at some point, but it's hard for guys to get grants to do uh, a peer review on a on a published, like, thing. So it's hmm. in order for somebody to challenge that, it's harder to get those grants because more places that offer those grants want the new discovery. They don't want to pay for a, oh, yeah, you right. ended up being right. Yeah. yeah. Right, because there's no there's no excitement in that. There's no money in that. Like, people want the controversy. They want the immediacy of, like, the new thing, right? That's I can see right. why there's no money in it. It's our culture is so screwed up. It doesn't want to validate information. It just wants to move on to the next thing. And which is why it's so easy to it's so easy to deceive the entire populace at the same time by just presenting something new and outlandish, something to grab everybody's attention while you do something you know behind their backs. Hopefully, that's the end of my conspiracy theory for this episode. But that's you say you say our culture I, I like it hasn't sure always been that way. No, you're right. It, it it has, and it's not just our culture. There, it's pretty much any any of the. I don't know. I, I don't want to call it the modern cultures because that's not really fair, but... I'm pretty sure that it's probably always been like that. Well, it's human nature. Wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's just, it's just people. It's not like Americans or the West or now, you know, the world I, I, or whatever you want to say. 
I would almost say it's modern because it's, it's, we, I feel like we throw away information so fast because information is so readily available to us now. Like it's, it's so easy to go on Facebook or Twitter and see the newest, like so and so and so discovered this. So much to the point where it's in every single clickbait in the world was like 10 things you didn't know about your sponges at home. (laughs) That isn't information. That's noise. Yeah, it is noise, but people see it as information. That's the problem. It's still it's still signal. I mean, it's it's still information, just as bad information. Yeah. Here, I'm going to prove my point. Hopefully, I have gone to Facebook, and I typed in scientific method. Oh dear! And our there are several groups. There are several groups. There's there's one that says perpetual motion discovered. Cat logic plus scientific method equals energy. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I don't even want to click on that because it sounds so Our stupid. Next topic. Yeah. <laughs> Perpetual motion. Adding it to the list. That is a good one. That is a really good topic as it would turn out. See the things you see through the noise we have found something guys. We have found another topic. But we filtered. We filtered out the the cat logic. Yeah, we filtered out the cat, the cat portion. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The nugget. I don't know. Cats are cats are pretty interesting. We probably could talk about that for a little while. No, what is it? No, we would have to talk about the obsession that our culture, well, that culture has with cats, being shifted to something else other than a cat, but the same kind of passion. There is a uh, there is a YouTube Red is now doing documentaries, and or they have been doing one for a little while. And there's there's this one that I don't remember what the name of it is, but it's about cats in the city of mm-hmm. Istanbul because apparently Istanbul has the largest amount of stray cats per capita mm-hmm. uh, and there are several people that think that cats are actually aware of God and that's what makes them smarter than dogs because dogs think that humans are God and cats are aware that there is a a, a higher being above everything else so you could probably talk about cat logic for a little while. Yeah, probably probably not an episode's worth. That's got to be like a quick hit list thing. <laughs> Lest we bore our listenership, all five of them. Okay, so I did as I scrolled through Facebook uh, while Jimmy was telling the super engaging story about us doing an episode on cats. Uh, I did find that back in April there was the March for Science uh, in D.C., which I think was interesting enough as a as a thing. Um, and I'm not going to comment on why I think it's interesting. I think the disdain in my voice says it all. Uh, but this particular person that had a public post here that used the term scientific method twice, which is why it popped up in my search, <clears throat> said this. said, the scientific method uses sy- systematic observation, measurement, and experiment, and the formulation, testing, and modification of hypotheses. It determines why things happen. The scientific method should serve as a foundation for policy. It is not about belief. Human-driven climate change is a real thing. That blah blah blah, like goes into a bunch of political things, um, like current political issues, and is kind of like juxtaposing them next to the scientific method. However, I do think that it's an interesting it's an interesting sentiment. The part that, the reason I brought this up, the part where uh, this woman says the scientific method should serve as a foundation for policy. Mm-hmm. That that is kind of that is, that is at least this woman saying that the scientific method is possible. And that's what we should be using to to base our uh, foundation for, I don't know, 
laws, apparently. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I found another article that I thought was very interesting in mm-hmm. the New York Times. And uh, this one, he he doesn't say... The, the headline is a little deceiving and it's probably done because of clickbait. But he says, there's no such thing... And was it? No such thing as scientific... There is no scientific method. Interesting. And he says... He explains in the article that there's no distinct scientific method because the same method is used in all kinds of disciplines. So the fact... I mean, it's just a method of refining ideas. But he said he was... um, What was his example? I think it was a poem... Uh, he he was interviewing a poet or something or watching the process and the poet would write you know a draft and then go ah, this doesn't really work and then change a few things and try it out again and okay nah, change it again and he said he would he just saw the scientific method in the problem I want to write a poem Hypothesis, it'll be about this. Uh, experiment, I'll jot some things down. And, you know, uh, analysis, I'll see how it works if I read it out loud or, or show it to people. And then I'll make my changes and I'll try it again and I'll see how it works. I'll make more changes and try it again, see how it works. And then finally, when it's ready, I'll publish. And And he just said, yeah, that and Socrates did the same thing when he was trying to find a definition for a word like courage. They would they would say, "Okay, what's the definition of courage?" It's it's this. No, it's not quite that. I mean, he goes in the article, he goes into laborious detail about the definition of courage and how to find it and what it is and what it isn't and refining and and processing and you know rounding it and shaping it and so he says this is it's just a process that all kinds of disciplines use not just science so it shouldn't be called the scientific method maybe it should just be the method method. (laughs) so it's really interesting really interesting in my in my search results there for on Facebook, I came across a Discover Magazine article from February of last year, and guess what it's called? There's no scientific method. The scientific method is a myth. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which, this is, a, this is an article from October of 2015. Um, but it's kind of a, it's a relatively jovial written article. It discusses, like, the history of the scientific method. Um, but the, the, the premise of this article is essentially that uh, like it's essentially what you were just saying, Jesse, is that it, it you're you're either on one side of it, you're apply on the scientific side of it, which is as the name implies, you're applying too loose a too loose and too um, formulaic uh, a process to something that is incredibly unpredictable to begin with and really technical, um, or on the other side, it like it, it is a basic way to determine how to get from one side of a problem to a solution. And so he, he says, if typical formations were accurate, the only location true science would be taking place in would be, it would be taking place in would be grade school classrooms. 
So he's saying that if the scientific method is what, how you define what science is, then you're missing a lot because it, 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 to, he further up says, to squeeze a diverse set of practices that span cultural anthropology, paleobotany, and theoretical physics into a handful of steps is an inevitable distortion, and to be blunt, it displays a serious poverty of imagination. Um, it's it's really it's a really interesting article. Like, unfortunately, because I just discovered, it, I can't really read the whole thing. I read the the the, the opening paragraph, which, as as my, my English teachers taught me, is where where the the um, the theoretical statement of the the or the argumentative statement is. And uh, and sure enough, there it was, right at the end of the first uh, paragraph. They would be so proud that I remembered that. Um, I'll I'll post it to the website, but yeah, it's interesting. It's the first article. Like I did a lot of research this afternoon, and I, I was coming up pretty empty on finding even a reason to be skeptical of this. And it's because I don't, I don't much like we were talking about earlier because we were taught it so young. I don't really think about me going from a problem to a solution as following the scientific method. But when you apply it to something like writing a poem, like you just said, you you arrive there rather quickly. That yeah, you are doing that process. You're just not mentally you know, mapping it out like they teach us to in grade school. Right, which I don't think even scientists who are doing real science do. They probably just go through the motions like it's second nature. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the terms line up, I think, like hypothesis and, and oh, sure. you know, I guess test procedure or, um, I don't know, any of those things, but... They're much more complicated than I think we're giving it credit for by applying the scientific method. So, mm-hmm. whereas I, where, whereas when we started this <laughs> this recording, I thought I thought I was going to say, "Of course, it's possible." Uh, may, maybe not under the terms that we've defined. That's a that's a big maybe not. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, where was I going to? One of the things I wrote down was uh, it doesn't really apply to what we were just saying, but. Uh, rules, rules culture. We used to mm-hmm. be a real rules culture in the West, and especially when in the late 1700s, when scientific method began to be uh, excessively used, or, or, you know, it came into being in, or widespread use. That was when naturalism was a big deal, and you know, Darwin was was writing and publishing, and. Uh, we were coming out of of a long period of uncertainty and of non education in Europe, and uh, it was very. You can see under those circumstances it being very comforting to have, you know, social rules and a hierarchy and knowing who's who's who and you know, uh, there was rules about not like hard and fast rules, but kind of societal norms about who marries who and who speaks to who and uh, what you wear and what part of town you're in you go to and what part of town you don't go to and all of that. And so the fact that that there are a defined set of rules for doing science isn't really surprising at all to me mm-hmm. because there was rules about everything. There's right. Just, there was a way that you do things, and that has that persisted for a long time, probably two hundred years, up until you know middle of the twentieth century, when that started. That trend started to be bucked. Well, we compartmentalize things as people. I think that's relatively human nature. So I think like having 
a structured rule set and calling it science is very common for anybody to feel like they understand science, even if they like, but obviously people doing it when faced with the, like, here's the scientific method. Do you guys do this every day? They probably roll their eyes and go, no, well, I mean like not, not that rigidly at least. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they say yes, but it's more of a, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we use it, but, but not in the way you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I could definitely see that. But I bet a lot of scientists really, really would defend the scientific method and say that it's a thing and it's a, it's valuable and it's worthwhile. Yeah, well, if it, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them, at least from my perspective, I think it's valuable in that it does get people excited about, even even if it's not like precisely what is used in science, I think it gets everybody excited about doing science, which is an important mm-hmm. thing. Especially at the you know, like you said, the formative years that this is presented. Yeah, definitely. So okay. There are a couple of disciplines where Oh, go ahead. No 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 nothing. Go ahead. There was there's a couple of disciplines of science, I think that would be termed science, that the the scientific method can't really apply because there's there's so precious few ways to actually experiment on them and test things like physics. Um, and astronomy you know, all we can really do is observe right and, and uh, you know we can do math and like predict where you know the gravitational pull like Johannes Kepler that was how he found oh he was he, Johannes Kepler was the uh, well, he, he discovered a lot of stuff but uh, he hypothesized kind of an egg shaped ellipse of planetary orbit mm-hmm. um yeah, we. I think we've mentioned it before. Circle, and and there was no, there's no real way to see that, other than, I don't know, make a prediction and and just wait and see if the the thing lines up in the spot that it's supposed to based on your idea. It's it's very imprecise, and you wouldn't be able to repeat it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about the scientific method is. You you document all your steps, and then somebody else can go and and try to d- duplicate your same steps, and that's one of the things that verifies the findings. You right, which I by transferring experiments from location to location, to person to person, you eliminate variables, or you can account for them and see how they. Yeah, you know, you know, you can get it. I do. I know. I get it. But I found this interesting quote uh, by Richard Feynman. He said, physics is like sex. Sure, it may give some practical results, but that's not why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that, that, is, that is my favorite quote we've put in this show ever. It's so, so, such an easy one and so good. Okay, so... What what are we saying here? The scientific method is it possible or impossible? What's the deal? Well, it's tough. It doesn't really fit into the that the possible impossible construct. But I don't really. I would have a hard time saying that it's a myth or that it's impossible or that it doesn't exist. 
I think it doesn't exist in the form that we've been told. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah. Well, no, I think it can, though. I think it can exist depending on how you do your particular experiment. Like, if you choose to follow all the steps and it's something that you can, like, sure, you're right, phys- physics probably can't fit into that, and neither can, like, I would imagine, like, genetics or anything like that probably couldn't either. But if you're, if you're like... If you're in the science of building something new, then the form can totally work because you can try something, you can experiment on that thing, and if it doesn't work, you can just keep making adjustments to it. So I imagine like in aerospace stuff, even though that's it's also dealing with physics, you can make a bunch of tweaks along the way in using the scientific method. But if we were to say scientific method is the only way to do science, then yeah, then that's not true. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, that's a good way to phrase this. So I would say, like, it, as far as that's concerned, that's impossible. It's impossible to lock science down to this method only. Sure, I would agree with that. I mean, even even math, which we we const- we use as a constant a lot of the time. I mean, you even said it earlier: two plus two is, you know, not always four. At least in the context you were saying. Um, yeah. I mean, like we we we've ne- we now have a new way to do math. Something we thought would never change. Like there's a new way to do it now, uh, and while while I'm not particularly fond of it, it I, it's not inaccurate. It's just a different way to teach it, and so I think I think that this is the same thing. Is like it, there are multiple approaches to finding a solution to to, to really any problem, uh, including the proof or disproof of a particular part of nature or physics or you know uh, biology. I, th- I think all of those things are they they can't be lo- much like the article that I the, the introduction to that article I read. Like it's just not something you can lock into those like seven, seven steps. I mean, later on in the article, like as I was scanning, he says, like you can find graphics that'll show like the scientific method is three steps and up to eleven steps. It's like they can't even really like decide on exactly what what the scientific method is, but loosely it's like these sets of steps. And so it's like trying to lock science into following those all the time is I, that that I think is impossible. They need to apply the scientific method into defining the scientific method. <laughs> Ain't that true? But they well, I think no one ever. No, well, it's science. Like, like, and especially like I said, in this day and age, where we can release information on a whim, um, and and a biased whim at that. Like, you can find any information that you can that will agree with you or not. So now that we've. Uh, We've beat that horse dead. Jesse, do you know what we're talking about next week? I or do. next time? What are we talking about next ion, time? Ion drives are on the list. Ooh, ion drives. We're, we're getting close to the end here, man. That's, I think that might be the end. Mm, I think there's one more after that. Do you? We just added cat uh, brains to the, to the, the list. No, I'm not, adding cat, I'm not adding cat brains to this season. That's a next season thing, man. Oh. Cat brains. All right, fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, it looks like there's only two more episodes left in the, in this season, and then uh, which hopefully oh, one of those. One uh, indeed, you're right. Hopefully, one of those will land while Jimmy's in China, so we can at least try our, you know, multi time zone recording. That'll, That'll be fun. Us. Yeah, it could be Start fun. Up season five. We could we could spool up season five. It is, uh, it is something that we will apply the scientific method to, and then when we run out of steps that apply to what we're doing, we'll, we'll just, we'll, off the cuff, we'll just off the cuff. 
<laughs> okay, well, uh, we'll talk to you then. We'll talk to you next time about ion drives. I'm really excited about that. That sounds like a really interesting, like, highly technical topic. I, whose idea was that? It doesn't no, sound like I would put on there. was not mine. Sounds it like a Jimmy idea. No. Whose idea was this anyway? You. Dear listeners, using, dear listeners, using, all six of you, one of you tell me which one of you suggested this topic. This sounds like a, something super technical that we're not qualified whatsoever to talk about, which is usually the ones you choose. So, <laughs> Oh, yes, because we're super qualified to discuss every other topic we discuss. That's the point of this. We are regular people <laughs> with dumb ideas about things. At least in most of them, That's we have why we're here. a 1% chance, maybe. This ion yes. drives, we, <laughs> there's no way we're going to be able to talk about this for a length of time. <laughs> hey, so being that it sounds like neither of you have done research on this, and I haven't either, early prediction, Elon Musk comes up at least one time while we're recording that episode. Uh, I would probably true. Yeah, nobody does. I actually did look <laughs> into it a little bit, so I have a... Aww peeked behind the curtain and then the findings are interesting and I would say that there is more than you think alright I'm excited we will, we will be able to have a lively discussion yes ah. that's exactly what I want I love being wrong this will be great <laughs> you're so good at it so it's fantastic <laughs> you have a lot of practice <laughs> okay well, well we'll see you guys next week and uh yeah, that's that's it. See you next week. Right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. Impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible. <laughs> <laughs>